This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Pack it in, Bill. It's over. It's Carlin versus Joe. Welcome, people, to a new week in this beautiful fall. Chris Carlin, Joe Fortenbaugh, Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio Series XM Channel 80, and on your smart speaker. And of course, you can watch us on the ESPN app as well. Joseph, how goes it? Uh, interestingly, interestingly is how it goes. Right as you're setting me up for just this basic, innocuous type of introduction, uh, throat just started tickling like crazy. I was about oh to cough God. everywhere. And it's like that's all morning nice and calm right up until that exact the exact moment where I was required to speak is where I had my first problem with speaking. I, I, I did it in front of 300 people the other night. I was, oh, is I was this hosting. for the Rutgers Hall of Fame on Friday yes. night? Yes, and the second I got up there, my throat just started. I get in the tickle. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> of course. And I say into the mic, like jokingly, oh, of course it happens right now. Nothing. Crickets. Crickets. <laughs> <laughs> Who is this guy and when is he done? <laughs> I am just trying to get through it, man. Introduce the AD. Get off the stage. <laughs> I'll tell you what. We need you to be a part of the show today, as we always do, on the Carlin versus Joe Nation on the Dr. Pepper Carlin line, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper the one fans deserve. That was quite literally the worst, worst, worst loss in Bill Belichick's history as they lost 38-3 to yesterday down in Dallas and Joseph this is not getting any better for the Patriots I I have been a staunch believer that this was a four to six win team at best yesterday was a complete embarrassment on their part and I really think we are seeing the end of Bill Belichick really playing out in front of us right now and not a whole lot of people are paying attention to it this is not going well they are a bad team offensively and their defense can only save them so much and by the way they lost their best defensive player yesterday it is all going down the tubes for the Patriots and I think this is it for Bill it feels like it can't get any worse, considering that was the worst loss he's ever sustained in his career yesterday in Dallas. 38-3, to the quarterback you hand-selected as the heir apparent to Tom Brady is a disaster. You had to bench him in the game. He's scoring more points for the other team than he is for his own team. You never want to be outplayed by Zach Wilson. More on him and how well he played last night in a little bit, but... Belichick now, this is the fourth year in the post-Brady New England Patriot era. He is now 26-28, and 28, so he's two games under 500. He's not even average. He's presided over offenses that in 2020 ranked 27th in the NFL. In 2021, Mac Jones' first year on the job, they did rank 7th in the NFL. So it looked like it might be moving in the right direction. But then Josh McDaniels leaves, and last year they ranked 16th. And this year they are 31st in scoring right now and I've got a list of his draft picks over the last seven or so years they're not hitting on anything on the offensive side of the ball so what you have to ask yourself right now if you're Robert Kraft and you're looking at this you got to say what is our identity where are we going we talked about this with teams like the Bears the Bears have no idea who they want to be well what's the plan in New England right now because if Mac Jones isn't the guy that means you're resetting everything next year and you got to ask yourself if you want Belichick to be the guy overseeing that 
There have been too many times over the 20 years where Bill has not drafted a good enough offensive player or a dynamic offensive player, and he didn't have to, Joe. He had to do the best he could to help Tom Brady out, and he had to get better players on defense. But when you have Tom Brady... That covers up a lot of those problems, and there were plenty of guys that Brady made better. They went out and got Randy Moss one year in a trade that was a steal. They went out and got Brandon Cooks one year. They drafted Gronk. Other than that, over the 20-plus years of Bill Belichick, what playmakers have they really drafted on the offensive side that have gotten them any better? And when this past offseason, the owner of the team talks about how important it is to make the playoffs this coming year. And he also talks about how the organization has never been, ever, about personal goals. He is referencing the head coach going for the all-time win record. Joe, he ain't getting there. He, he He's like 30-some wins short right now. He's not getting home on that record, and it's not that Bill has to be fired right now, but what has to happen is they have to save their season somehow, and I don't see how they can when they have the players that they do. This this is unsalvageable when you combine that with what the schedule is coming up for the Patriots. I mean, this is a brutal schedule, and, and when people were not paying attention to that, This offseason, not recognizing that the Patriots had one of the two or three toughest schedules in the entire league, that's why you didn't have a whole lot of people expecting this. You know, Mac Jones as a quarterback enters year three with plenty of experience under his belt. Bill O'Brien is brought in as the offensive coordinator, brought back as the offensive coordinator. You are, through the first month of the season, scoring 13 points per game. That's 31st in the NFL. Like, that's not... That's not the step forward you were supposed to take from last year when you were about league average. You go back through some of these drafts. Last year's draft, they didn't draft an offensive player until the fourth round. Until the fourth round. That's when they decided that they should address that side of the ball. Offensive lineman Jake Andrews. The year before that, first-round pick Cole Strange, the offensive lineman out of Chattanooga, the one where if you saw Sean McVay from the Rams on tape, they were laughing at the pick. They didn't even have the guy on the board. When ESPN was hosting the draft, they didn't even have like a picture and a bio packet for the guy like they do for everybody else because no one was expecting him in the first round. They also drafted a wide receiver in Tyquan Thornton in the second round. Not a whole lot going on there. No. You go back to 2021, you've got Mac Jones. And then you don't have another offensive player until the fourth round, Ramondre Stevenson, who's been good. He's been good, but that's it. That's a fourth-round pick. You didn't draft another offensive player until the sixth round. Year before that, 2020, you don't take an offensive player until the third round. You took two tight ends that year. You go back to 2019, Nikhil Harry, wide receiver, first-round pick. Awesome. And then Damian Harris, the running back in the third round. Like We got, we got no players here. Uh, first round, they had two selections in the first round in 2018. They used both of them on the offensive side of the ball. Isaiah Wynn, an offensive tackle who's now in Miami. Sony Michelle, a running back who's retired. They got nothing out of that. <laughs> Year before that, they didn't take an offensive player until the third round. It was an offensive tackle. Year before that, they didn't take an offensive player until the third round again. Joe Thune, the offensive guard. Like they, It's not that they're just missing on offensive players, Carlin. They're not even drafting them in the first three rounds. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're letting strikes go right down the middle. 
And when they are taking swings, they're swinging the pitches in the dirt. That's what's going on right now. And and take a listen to this. This is how bad that Mac Jones was yesterday, that Bill pulled him out of the game when the score got to be what it was. But I, I want you to listen to this exchange with Mike Reese, who, of course, covers the Patriots for ESPN NFL Nation. And tell me if you notice something about what Bill is saying post game. So what led to the decision um, to take Mac out with 341 remaining in the third quarter? Yeah, I don't think there was any point leaving him in the game. Starting next week against the Saints. Yeah, just so there's no point leaving him in the game, Mike. In, the, in that sense, I mean. Yeah, I mean you're gonna put somebody out there. So Bill, was he was he benched for bad performance no. or was he pulled because No, I said there was no point in leaving him out there, so I took him out. Yeah. So was there no point in leaving him out there because of what the score was and you didn't want him to get hurt? Or was there no point in leaving him out there because he was atrocious? I mean, which was it? I'd be, I, I think the answer is probably a combination thereof, Joe. I think it's that he looked terrible, but Belichick's not going to commit to any answer and then have everyone talking about it. Remember, if yeah. he answers it either way, you create a talking point for the media. Now, we're finding a way, regardless, to talk about this. But if he comes out and says, no, he was pulled because of poor performance, then all of a sudden everyone's going to go, well, should you bench him moving forward? Are we done with Mac Jones? He comes, no, there's no point in playing him. Well, why is that? There's just no point. That, that's kind of like end story. That's what makes him so good with the media is he does understand how to try to limit some of these stories. But you can only say so little to reporters. People watch games. They have eyes. And we're in year three here with Mac Jones. It was supposed to get better under Bill O'Brien. That performance yesterday was disgusting. It was, it was disgusting from a quarterback's perspective. It's Dallas, but Josh Dobbs just had success against Dallas last week. So it's not as if it's impossible to move the ball on these guys. It's not as if it's impossible to hang 10 points in a matchup against them, right? Three points, and you gave away the ball how many times and set up Dallas with the short field to score? I, I, with Mac Jones, I don't know. I, 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 I think the organization's probably starting there before they're figuring out what they want to do with Belichick. Maybe you say to yourself, give Bill one last run if they end up with a high draft pick and we'll see what he does with a young rookie quarterback we'll give him another I, chance I, mean, I think it's it's over for jones listen it's over for jones i think it's getting to the point where it's over for bill and we could be talking about caleb williams in new england if things continue to be this bad i mean we we may not be that far off the bears will give him a run for their money but well, the bears will we, be right there it, the the grand scheme here is really amazing when you look at the belichick tenure because yes Nobody can ever argue with six Super Bowls. But you can't argue with the fact that the other guy wasn't here in Brady, and it's been bad since. And when you look at the entirety of the tenure, they have not ever done a great job of drafting players, especially on offense. They just haven't. And when you are picking the guy to take over for Tom Brady, you damn well better be right. And he has not been right about that. And when that's the case, this is why Robert Kraft is saying things like this this past offseason. Well, it's about winning. So let's see what happens. He's, he's done pretty good so far. I mean, I know it's important to him, too. My objective every year is we make the playoffs. Once you make the playoffs, anything can happen. And if you don't? Well, I'm an optimist. Yeah. Okay.
this this was the the end of a a long comment that gave you no thought whatsoever that Bill was definitively here for the long term. And I will always believe that Robert Kraft is still ticked off that he let Brady go and it was because of Bill. I'm still I will go to my grave believing that. And when things have been bad since he's now going to have an excuse. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. We are just getting rolling. As the leaves change, leave the hiring to Indeed. Their all-in-one hiring platform helps you attract, interview, and hire candidates all from one place. And Indeed's interview tool lets you schedule and conduct virtual interviews right from their website. Visit Indeed.com slash credit. Somehow, Joe, somehow the Jets have more hope than the Patriots moving forward. But hope is a dangerous thing. We'll explain next on ESPN Radio. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antsgate presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. You know, I lost this that game, and I cannot do that. And I'm holding defense number 11. It is an absolute knife to the Jets' heart. Oh, I'm not going to comment on that. I've already. Hey, look at what you're upset about when you're called for the. Yeah. But I need to be better with the details. I think multiple plays I need to be better on. I have a lot of thoughts on it, but I'm going to stay quiet. If I were a Jets fan, first of all, I'd hate my life. <laughs> I tell you, if you want to take hope out of last night, do so at your own peril. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. Joseph, I get it. Zach Wilson was a completely different player for about two and a half quarters last night. And frankly, I felt good for him. It was awesome to see. But I also would really caution here. There, There seems to be a lot of optimism coming out from the Jets after that game, that somehow Zach Wilson is giving you hope. That 
Maybe, just maybe he has figured some of it out. Maybe Nathaniel Hackett has figured some of it out, how to best use him. All of that is totally fine. What I saw was still a lot of missed wide-open receivers that he could have made plays with. And I thought, I certainly saw a few opportunities where the ball could have been easily picked off, and it wasn't. And look, that happens. And I get where the optimism comes from, but where I think the optimism comes from in New York here is from a very dark place. It's, it kind of reminds me of Morgan Friedman in Shawshank Redemption when he said, hope is a very dangerous thing. <laughs> hope can drive a man insane. And that's what I feel like right here. I think what you saw yesterday, and this is my opinion of the matter, but I watched that game last night while my entire neighborhood did s'mores and and little like bonfires out in the street. Oh, that's nice. Barely went out and said hello. I had to watch that game. Can't even and, bring a, can't even bring an iPad with you. Wouldn't kill you. <laughs> well, the one neighbor said they were going to project the game onto the side of their house, but the game started and it was still light out. Then it got dark and everyone forgot. And I was like, all right, en- enough of this. I'm I'm heading inside. You're I'll right. see Good everyone call. later. Small talk, not exactly my thing. Screw Um, that noise. Yep. (laughs) I would say that having what I saw last night, that's more of a reason to believe that the season is completely over than you have any sort of hope. Because what you got last night was Zach Wilson's 26th career appearance in an NFL game. What you got last night was the best quarterback rating Zach Wilson has ever produced, 105.2. He's only ever had one other game with a quarterback rating over 100. That was the best rating. It's one of only two ratings over 100. He completed over 70% of his passes. It was the second best performance from a completion standpoint in his career. And you still lost. You still lost. Mm -hmm. Now, had that performance led to a win? Okay. If we can get this out of Zach regularly, we can win games. But the best game Zach Wilson was capable of giving you was still a loss. Salah still turtled up in really big spots when he should have been going for it. He was kicking. He was playing that as conservatively as possible in a situation where you should not be doing anything conservatively. And that defense that compared itself to the 85 Bears and the Legion of Boom didn't get the stops down the stretch when they needed, didn't get the stops early in the game when they needed. So the Jets season was reinforced last night as over, despite the fact that it looked a little bit more promising than what we've seen in the last few weeks. It's hard to sit there and say that Zach has all of a sudden figured it out. And look, he played very well. Yes, very he did. well for a while. And I, I don't think he played very well the entire game. He gave him a chance. He where, played well enough to win. Let's call it what it was. At 17 nothing, it was it was bleak. But moving forward here. I mean, am I supposed to take a lot out of how he handled himself post-game? Like, finally? Here he was talking about what happened with the fumbled snap. Yeah, that's on me. I, you know, critical situation. I can't, I can't have a play like that. I cannot drop the ball. You know, and this team is sacrificing a lot. You know, guys were making plays. Defense was making plays. O-line was protecting. Um, the receivers were making plays. And... To be driving right there and to to drop a snap, you know, I cannot do that. You know, I lost us that game and I cannot do that. And I was making it clear to those guys that I need to be better. I need to be better on the little things, the details. Um, it can't happen. It, listen, it's great. There was a lot of I in the things that went wrong. And that's that's growth. Terrific. It's not enough here to convince me that anything is changing 
over the next few weeks. We talked about this early in the year, Joe, when the injury happened, that Zach Wilson basically had five games to show what he could potentially do. Well, they're 0-3 in the first three of those games. And now they've got a trip to Denver, and they host Philadelphia. Could be staring 1-5 and five in the face. Could easily be staring 1-5 and five in the face. And, and at that point, you have shown what you can do, and it's not nearly enough to help this team. And we do need to get past something else here, okay? The rest of this team is not as good as it's being made out to be. And that's why that's not going to carry the day. The defense isn't going to carry the day anymore, Joe. I I get it. There were bad calls, bad non-calls that happened. You know what else I saw? The Chiefs have the ball for the last seven and a half minutes and run the clock out. A couple of penalties, a couple of non-calls, sure. Still happens. It happens on every play in the NFL, every down. Stop complaining. It's loser's lament. So what about the Jet defense last night as Isaiah Pacheco is running all over them, all over them, and they are missing tackles left and right? I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Joe, that over 100 of his yards were after he was touched. Over 100 of his yards were after he was touched. How does that happen? Your defense just is not that good, and the defense is not good enough to carry them here, and all of a sudden it's salvageable. Chiefs had 401 total yards of offense. Chiefs converted well over 50% on third down. Chiefs averaged 6.1 yards per play. Chiefs ran for 204 yards in that game. Chiefs held the ball for 32 minutes. That's not the 85 Bears. That's not the Legion of Boom. It's good defense. It's Patrick Mahomes. I mean, defensively, you gave your team a chance to win if you had a high-powered offense, like what Buffalo did yesterday against Miami, but you don't. Offensively, what Zach Wilson did yesterday was good enough to win if the defense could have made one or two more plays. But that's the problem with the Jets. The coaching isn't good enough. The defense isn't good enough. The offense isn't good enough to cover up all the other problems that this team has on a regular basis. Salah should have been far more aggressive in that game. You know, we talk about it on the show. All gas, no breaks. That wasn't all gas, no breaks. Oh, you're lining up no. for 50-plus yard field goals when it's fourth and one. Go punch him in the mouth. You're not like, being you're the Chiefs be, with field goals. And you're supposed to be like Dan Campbell. Like, you're the player's coach. You're the guy that's going to motivate and rah-rah, and you're going to go out there and you're physically going to impose your will. If you're settling for field goals of 50-plus, given the situation your team is in, it's the Chiefs. It's Sunday Night Football. Taylor Swift's there. Stick it to everybody. Go out there and stick it to everybody. If you're going to play cautious like that with a defense that can't get all the key stops, with an offense that can't hang 20-plus points on a regular basis, you're never going to win. The conservative play is never going to work. Not Certainly not enough to win nine games and get into the wild card spot. That was a bad performance by the coach, and he's still trying to prove something here too. If Zach is trying to show that he can do this, the coach is still trying to show that he can do this. And I didn't see a whole lot from Salah last night that made me feel good about the coming weeks. I didn't see a whole lot there. I get it. They like him. He's a player's coach. Players like going for it. You had opportunities last night, and you didn't do it. I want to throw one last thing in, if you don't mind. I do want to commend uh, Zach Wilson on that performance last night because we can get caught up in the weeds, and we can talk about how well he had the drop and you know whether or not this is going to turn the corner. For as much hate and as much heat as he's taken, when he plays well, people like me, because I've been all over him, 
people like me have to step up and say, you know, that's a job well done last night. Yeah. It's not perfect, but you're playing the Chiefs. Jared Goff wasn't hey. perfect against the Chiefs. Trevor Lawrence didn't look all that great against the Chiefs. Like, they, they, that defense has made people look, look average to below average throughout the course of the year. Wilson played well enough to win. He deserves credit for that performance last night. He, he was absolutely solid. does. He was solid. He absolutely was, and there were a few times when they blitzed and he didn't have a hope, and he still was able to do enough and didn't get rattled enough. I totally agree with that. Unfortunately, moving forward, it's just not going to be enough. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. It is time to revisit something that I said about a team (laughs) that now looks like maybe it's the best in their conference. Maybe. It's only after week four. It's take integrity on the way, Joseph. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun, now streaming on Hulu. Here's the snap. Takes the handoff to Murray. Throws in the end zone. It's a trifecta for Stephon Diggs. Our thought process every time we touch the ball is to score, you know, and whether that be six or three. He's a quarterback that you want to play with. He's a quarterback that gives you that energy, gives you that belief. We just keep lining the weeds, keep grinding, and we'll be in the right spot. We got some dogs. Can you dig it? So the Bills are rolling. The, the Bills are absolutely rolling right now the last three weeks. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. First time we've rolled this one out. It's a little thing we like to call take integrity. Hot takes gone bad. Oh, man, that went south quick. This is take integrity. Almost like a little bit of a secession intro there. It kind of was. It kind of was. And uh, listen. We're only through the first quarter of the season, but you may remember prior to the year, I had the take that the Buffalo Bills were not going to make the playoffs. (laughs) Now, week one, they lose Monday night football to the Jets after a crushing injury to Aaron Rodgers. And I'm thinking, I told you, told you, like, guys, pay attention here. And then they proceed to outscore the next three opponents, 123 to 33. (laughs) Is that good? Is that good? I'm new here. Oh, my God. 37, 38, 48. Holy crap. It's almost like they heard you. I I guess so. I I can certainly take credit for uh, the Bills going off because, you know, everybody doubted us was really just me doubting you. I was on my own with this one, (laughs) and I'm here to own up to it that for right now, for the moment, for this very second, that take is not standing up. But I would point out, Joe, still got 13 games to go here. Plenty of time. There's plenty of time. Plenty of time. 
Funny time. You could be back in business with this one, just like how quickly they put you out of business following what happened in week one. It can still swing. Exactly. Um, I, I don't even know what the biggest takeaway for me off that performance yesterday is. Is it the fact that Buffalo's defense just absolutely showed the world, yeah, Miami can play, but you can slow them down. You can shut them down. You can beat them. They're not what you saw against Denver. They're not terrible, but you can get stops because they held them less than 400 yards. They forced two turnovers. Miami, three of 10 on third down. They only scored 20 points. Tremendous showing. Or is it the fact that Josh Allen had a damn near perfect day? I believe he was something like 20 of 25 with four touchdown passes. And oh, by the way, he's now your MVP favorite. Tua Tungavailoa, no longer your favorite. He moves to second at a price of five to one. Josh Allen at plus 380 is your Super Bowl favorite. But wait. Before you get too excited about what you saw, Tredavious White, the star cornerback for that Buffalo defense, yeah. they fear it's an Achilles injury and that his season is lost. Not confirmed yet, but that would be a huge blow to a defense that is going to need guys like him the next time they face Miami. Well, let's talk about that for a second, okay? The one thing that I think the Bills have been most impressive about that nobody will talk about is the fact that their pass defense is right near the top of the league. And it's only given up about 170 yards per game. Well, why is that so important? Because in these games, Joe, think about this. Normally, you've got teams that have been chasing them in these games, and they will put up a ton of pass yardage in second half and in garbage time of these games. And they're not doing that. The Bills' defense is not taking the foot off the pedal in these games and playing prevent defense. And I think there's a lot of good to be taken away from that. But don't underestimate this Tredavious White thing. And I know that they have had success without him before. This dude is one of the best cover corners in the league when he is on the field. And now he's not going to be on the field for quite some time. I I think that's really going to affect what they're doing. I think it's a major problem for them. I am not going to back off of my take through one quarter of the season that the Bills are going to miss the playoffs. So I'm having take integrity here, Joe. So wait, explain this to me. So take integrity is acknowledging that you could be wrong, but you don't well, necessarily, we're not necessarily hammering that final well, nail into the take coffin yet. No, take integrity is, is just standing up to what your take was, okay. especially when it's a bad one. But I'm going to, let's call it double my take integrity. I'm doubling down on my take. Now I'm you see, this is just long. this is just foolish. This is, is where is this it? is where the road splits two ways. One could be how it started. It's not looking good. It's not over, but it's not looking good. But I'm going to be a man of integrity, and I'm going to own it. And to which I think we all say bravo, Christopher Carlin, bravo. Yeah, you, you lead from the front. But then there's this other road that you're insisting upon, which is the yeah. So I got it wrong. It looks it looks like it might be a it looks like it might be a swing and a miss. I'm doubling down, and this is where it gets foolish. Joe, the count might be 0-2, okay? But you don't give up on an at-bat, all right? You don't give up on an at-bat, and that's what I'm doing. Going I am, swinging, all I right. am hanging in there. I'm hopefully going to foul off some pitches, and the next thing you know, we get to Kansas City in early December, and you got to sweat. <laughs> so we're just, rather than, at, 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 to use your analogy in this 0-2 count, rather than choke up on the bat a little bit, just try to get the ball in play, we're still going for the fences. Oh, we're absolutely. still swinging away. Joe, I've never been someone who changes his approach. 
given the circumstances. No. I have no, never no, no. once been presented with my own failures and said, change will not be happening today. Yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> I don't learn from failure. What I know is keep doing it your way. Eventually, something good has got to yeah. happen. It's failure's fault that this didn't work out. It's on failure. I had it right. <laughs> yes. Yes. Now, oh, man. I mean, I would also, you know, blame the fact that the Raiders stink, that Washington didn't show up last week, and that Miami took it for granted. So, we'll see. I mean, will, will that defense uh, travel over to London this week? You know, Jacksonville's hanging out over there for an extra week. Yeah, maybe the Jaguars get comfortable, you know? On the, uh, on, on the Dolphins side of this, though, that, yeah. you know, Vic Fangio was supposed to come in and solve the defense. And it's, we're, we're, we're four weeks in. I'm not, I'm not going overboard here, but it's rather alarming that they just hung 48 on you. Yeah, it is. 400 yards, bit. 48, 50% third downs. Quarterback didn't sweat most of the day. Maybe we just chalked that one up, but something to watch moving forward. If Miami is going to be that formidable contender, we've now seen two good defenses limit, not stop, but limit them a bit when they've played on the road. It was New England a couple weeks ago. It was Buffalo over the weekend. If you can get some limitations on that offense, the defense is going to need to bail them out. And yesterday, that certainly wasn't the case. Well, uh, <laughs> that corner, uh, what was his name? Kohu? Yeah, he got a full dose. Yeah. He got a full dose of Stefan Diggs yesterday. Maybe we look to move on from him. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN yeah. Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. I'm standing by it. I'm not bailing. I'm standing by it. Because when you sign up for me, you get somebody who is going to be there until the bitter end right until about the ship's going to sink, and then I jump off. You know, I, I give it some time. <laughs> the AFC might be wide open, Joe, but it's already time for one title contender to close up shop and get ready for next season. It's next. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Henry on his right hip. Going to give Henry a chance on the left side. Here he goes, the big man. To the 25, to the 20, to the 15, to the 10, to the 5, to the end zone. Ladies and gentlemen, the King! Touchdown, Titans! There's a, a specific way that you can confirm your season is over. And the way to do that, some would say the easiest way to do that, is to get your doors blown off by the Tennessee Titans. And that's what we saw yesterday in Tennessee. 27-3, the Titans blew out the Bengals. And just can we just talk about why Joe Burrow is still playing? Because I have absolutely no idea, and it needs to, it needs to stop, Joe. It needs to stop. The Bengals are 1-3. They are not going anywhere this year. And while I know that the division is not nearly, not nearly as good as we would have anticipated, we need to be clear on what's happening in Cincinnati. They are not equipped to win this season. And if that's the case, you have got to sit this guy out and get him right. Because yesterday, did that remotely resemble a quarterback who looked like he was right or could help his team win? No, not at all. For through the first four months, first full month of the season, excuse me, there's plenty of evidence to show you that Joe Burrow is not right. 
He's not right at all. He's completing 57% of his passes. That ranks 32nd in the NFL Ugh. behind guys like Zach Wilson, Desmond Ritter, and Ryan Tannehill. He's got two TD passes on the year. That's behind Andy Dalton, who's only played one game. His quarterback rating of 69.1 ranks 34th in the NFL. Remember, there's only 32 teams. It ranks 34th. The only two guys with worst QB ratings both have played one game, and that was yesterday. Aiden O'Connell, the rookie for the Raiders, and Dorian Thompson-Robinson, the rookie for the Browns. The performance has been abysmal. That doesn't mean Burrow's a bad quarterback. No. He's hurt, and it's evident. You're one in three, but the problem is, A, your DNA. This isn't a team that gives up under Joe Burrow. We've seen that time and time again. They always believe they're in it. So I don't know if they're going to be able to think in that sort of mindset of thinking big picture, looking to next year, because that's not in their DNA. And number two, football guys like Jeff Saturday, we had him on last week, and we respect his opinion. He talks about how it's a calf injury. You got to try to play through it. And if there's no risk of further damage, keep going. You know, eventually it'll heal, it'll get better, and then you can try to make plays on it. It, it doesn't look like that, but when guys who have dealt with that in the league tell us that, I, I got to listen to it and I got to at least process it. Listen, when I'm looking at Joe Burrow's yards per attempt and it's less than seven, like what are we, what are we talking about? Like that's, that's an alarming number at this point his number what his specific number right now yards per attempt this season is down at 4.8 are you kidding me 4.8 you got running backs picking up more per carry than you do joe burrow on his yards per attempt with a high powered offense loaded with weapons i mean just for context okay when i talk about it being less than seven justin fields right now is seven yards per attempt. And he is 17th in the league. Think about the fact that Joe Burrow is at 4.8 among quarterbacks. He's There are 32 teams, Joe, and he's 34th. That's a problem. And this is a guy, and I hate to bang on this drum, but when you are the Cincinnati Bengals and you have staked everything in him for the long term and given him 219 million dollars at some point you have to understand that the bigger picture is more important let me just ask this question too is he helping you win he's not he's not helping you win so if that's the case it's one thing when you are an injured player but you can still go out and help your team win joe burrow's not doing that right now so it's very hard for me to justify continuing to play him when I'm not seeing any sort of benefit from it whatsoever. I mean, I think the mindset there is probably an injured Joe Burrow gives us a better chance than insert whoever is second, third, Jake fourth Browning? on their QB yeah. depth chart. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's a whole lot of belief that Jake Browning is going to step in and play huge. No, And if I'm they sure thought that, he'd be in there. So. The thought process now is try to figure it out, and I guess maybe when they get closer to mathematical elimination, they might be willing to move on. But right now, we've talked about this before. This is a notoriously cheap organization. And when you spend that much money on Joe Burrow and you see the injury he's going through, you're seeing how he's producing on the field, you have one of two ways you can go. Number one is to say, look, this is a sizable long-term investment. 
this is not going to be the year. He doesn't look good. Let's not create any risk of further damage. Let's shut it down and we'll figure it out. We'll come back strong next year. That's one approach. The other approach is, hey, we spent a ton of money on this guy. You better get out there and you better play. We want to see a return on our investment. We want you out there playing. And that could be the, the flawed thinking of the cheap mindset that the Bengals have employed for seemingly ever. Losers do that. Losers do that. They get desperate and, and they lose sight of the big picture. Here's Zach Taylor on this topic. I have not heard this yet. I want to hear what he has to say about Burrow playing through this injury. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's doing everything he can. Um, he, he's playing, you know, he's playing through it, but, but there's still limitations he's got, certainly. And that's probably very difficult for him. Um, but again, he's, he's getting hit, he's having to move, and he's doing a great job getting up on the next play and responding. You don't feel, you know, sometimes quarterbacks can get rattled by that stuff. You don't feel that from him at all. You feel like the next play is going to be successful, even if he does take a hit. Um, so, again, I, I don't, he's, he's fighting through it, and I'm proud of him for that. I, I, that is so, so maddening to hear that. He's doing, think about what he just said in the middle there. He's doing a great job getting up after he gets a hit, after he gets hit. Yeah. Great characteristic. Yes. I I mean, that is your biggest takeaway from this right now, that he can still get up and make the next play. How long is that going to be the case, Zach? How long is that going to be the case? I, I really think that you are running the risk in a big way of losing this guy next year if you continue to run him out there, or at least for a portion of next year, because if he is continuing to compensate for an injury, Joe, it is so easy, so easy to have something else that's worse happen. You're a three-point favorite at Arizona this week. Mm. You trot him out there, try to win the game, and if you do win the game, say, all right, we're still in this thing, let's stay the course. Do you shut him down beforehand and say, maybe we can get him some rest and find a way to beat Arizona without him? Or do you just shut him down and say, "Eh, we'll take our chances? Look, how about this? How about we shut him down here for three weeks? You've got Arizona, Seattle at home, and then a bye week. Is three weeks going to make a huge difference for him? I, I don't personally know the answer to that, but I know it can only help. So if you are intent on playing him later in the year and you've got San Francisco after the bye, why not just try to sit him out the next couple weeks, see what happens, you win those two games, maybe you're sitting at three and three, and then you can bring him back and and see where you're at with it. Otherwise, you could very easily be sitting at one and five anyway and it would be silly to run the risk. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. 